On air again. It's Wednesday. It's mm. Rift time, and uh, I'm here in Stockholm, calling Ulle uh, in Amsterdam. How are you doing? I'm good. Uh, here over here, it's Friday, uh, which I guess it's uh, how it is. Uh, it feels very good to be here again. Um, yeah, as you know, dear listener, we we record. We we think it's so much fun. So we record like two episodes <laughs> every week for transparency, and then. Uh, uh, that gets aired, uh, yeah, in due time on Wednesday, uh, present day, whenever you're listening to it. I mean, time yeah. doesn't really matter so much when we're talking podcasts, right? It really, it really doesn't, and especially with the topic like ours, it's kind of timeless. Uh, we're not really uh, on any like, current topics, really. No, uh, it was that uh, quick stint on uh, the Doom controversy with the uh, LP exa- release. That was the most recent. Otherwise, we're kind of in a <laughs> warp zone. In the void, yeah. I mean, it's it's both timeless and out of time. I mean, that's where yeah. we find ourselves, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that feels is a pretty nice place to be, I must say. Riff museum, the riff like museum. What <laughs> 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 what do you, what's yeah. the, what is the first riff you see when you uh, go into the riff museum or here maybe? Mm. Yeah, what could it be? The oldest one we featured was uh, Hall of the Mountain King, and uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that sure. Was the oldest one. I mean, that, that's riff, like in the, in the entrance. Yeah, I, I would say that uh, you can experience our pod like a proposal for a riff museum, uh, yeah. where indeed the first thing you see or hear is the Hall of the Mountain King, but with uh, the pinched harmonics, of course. Yeah, if we would have like a chronological style of museum, which I think could be nice for a riff museum. Yeah, I would also. I mean, I could imagine just one room with all the riffs blasting at once. That would be. <laughs> uh, that's also pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> venturing into another type of uh, exhibition, like yeah. but still, still is good. Yeah, <laughs> here in Stockholm, it's it's double Friday. We had Friday yesterday as well. Okay, it's uh, like they switched out some holidays. Uh, long mm. story short, we uh, we have the national day now, sixth of June, and that's it falls on on a Saturday tomorrow. So, oh, um, that's okay. why they they were. So kind to make the Thursday like a, comp- oh. a compensatory. That's day lovely, off. lovely. I mean, you yeah. might be listening to this in October twenty twenty seven. Who know who when sure. the, there is no national holiday, there is no Sweden, maybe. But the riffs remain. What else can we say? What else can we do? That is what we do here in this pod. Uh, yeah. Gain it for riffs, ladies and gentlemen. I think it's about time we started off. If you haven't anything else to add. No, I think I'm ready. Uh, right. I have a, a riff that it feels kind of fitting today. Maybe even more fitting if you listen in uh, October, actually, in the, in the darker months of the year. Okay, okay. Uh, we've had like a, we have a, we've had blasting sun for almost a full week, and today it's a little bit more cloudy. And I felt like okay, time to bring out this riff. <laughs> and uh, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a famous riff. It's by quite a big band, but I will I will say that there's no chance that you will not pick it out. You 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 say that, uh, and uh, I hope I hope so. I hope yeah. I won't uh, disappoint. Well, I think this is <laughs> this is unusually easy to get. This very characteristic. It sounds like this. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, dear, dear listener, uh, you can't see me, but I sat the whole time pumping my fist in the air. Uh, this, of course, is the first song I have heard by this band, and you, Jonathan, you played it to me, and I was blown away immediately. It's uh, okay, and now I have to guess. Um, it's Ritual by Ghost. That's correct, Ritual yeah. by Ghost. And uh, <laughs> this band is uh, recent. This is uh, from the first album, uh, Opus Epinumus, and it's released in 2011. So it's oh, not yeah. that long ago, no. really, which makes this, I guess, kind of an interesting act in a way. Uh, in many ways, actually, but they were voted, I don't remember which blog this was, maybe Metal Sucks. They voted them the most prolific and biggest metal band of the 2010s. Oh, yeah. Because they really kind of ruled that decade within within metal growth, I would say, or hard rock. It's not. Maybe it's not metal. This song is, is quite metal, isn't it? I think the first album is definitely metal, and uh, then uh, things happened. I, I guess you will uh, talk about it. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, no, but this, this, I mean, obviously, this is uh, heavy metal or hard rock or whatever. You know, it's it's dark, sure. but it's also catchy. Immediately, they they hit you with that catch, uh, that yeah. catchiness. Yeah. Uh, before I lose my way completely in trivia and discussions, uh, let's <laughs> kind of get into the vibe of this riff, right? Yeah. I, I kind of miss that sometimes, <laughs> and I think this this riff is on very. It's, it, they tune down to D, I think, on most. Uh, recordings and songs mm. and i have also tuned down to d today but i will speak in the language of e i don't know how you other guitarists and listeners out there do but yeah i, I would be confused i think i would be confused if you <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah do, I do mean, it like that. why would you really like an e is an e on a guitar this is just an e tuned down <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah but anyway yeah anyway it's tuned to d and the, but the grip is uh starting from the 12th uh, fret on the d string which would be d normally now it's c but i'm gonna say d uh, so it sounds like this, which is like a triad, uh, a very bright uh, D minor, and it kind of has this. Uh, how would you say the feeling of this type of chord cordage? How, what, what do you kind of, uh, uh, what do you connect this to, this kind of sound like? Um, yeah, I, I think it. I, I would more if if I use free free form from what I feel. Uh, when I hear this riff, uh, it's it's you know it it, it is uh, keeping the time while being kind of a, a, a weak chord that is it's not it's it's only filling a certain um, a spectrum of or a certain part of the whole uh, frequency spectrum. I mean, it's really sure. like a it's really thin and fragile, Very. but it's so like on time and it kind of directs the whole song before the drums and the the bass and the rest of the band come in. So it's yeah. kind of, it's powerful, but it's fragile. Yeah, brilliantly composed, I would say. Composed and performed by Tobias Forge, or as most people think, he's named Tobias Forge. Are, are we allowed <laughs> to say his name? Tobias Forge <laughs> is his actual name. Yeah, we are allowed to say it it's <laughs> since, since years now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but this is his actual name, so he's going to be the guitarist on, uh, uh, on uh, my end of today's episode. Uh, like, mm. There's no nameless ghoul or anything involved there. He, he did that album alone with the... A drummer, which I think has been the drummer on all the studio recordings, but never live. Okay. Uh, we'll get into more of that later. Let's try and stick on the riff a little bit. They move this D chord around in the top a little bit. So they like they have the, uh, this is the minor sixth first. Same as on a, on, a, on a D power chord lower, it would be. Yeah. Kind of, it has that tension, right? Yeah. I 
kind of 80s metal tension. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they move that up to um, a seventh and then down to uh, the, the perfect fifth. So that has a little movement within it, like... Which is very... Follow some, is that a word in English? <laughs> it's, uh, it, it flows, right? It guides yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. It guides keep, you and then they move play it down. It, play it one more time, so we get that yeah, in context. The, the whole riff, sure. Yeah. Pretty long riff, actually. And I had to practice it a bit. I wouldn't have been able to play it if I just picked it out yeah. straight before the episode. And then they moved down that D uh, triad thing to uh, a major C. That's the bright one. And then down from that to uh, B, uh, which is minor again. And then at the very end, they take the, the main D uh, with the perfect fifth and move it down half a step to create that mm. kind of... Uh, Harmonic minor, like, which sucks you back into the riff. It's uh, nicely composed, and then with the lead on top of it, doo -doo 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 -doo. Mm -hmm. and the bass. It's, uh, I think, uh, Tobias is very good at arrangements. Yeah, he, uh, he he totally has a grasp of like the the full picture. I would say a very holistic metal forger. No pun intended. <laughs> holistic metal forge. Uh, that would be a good band name as well. For yeah. Him. That's what he's up to. Uh, it, I think before we go any further, if you if you lived under a rock, or maybe you're uh, you're not interested in riffs or metal, I don't know why you're listening, but uh, you're welcome, by the way. Uh, <laughs> Ghost are uh, is a band from Sweden with Tobias Forge as their leading man, who uh, they like to dress up uh, to be a bit mysterious. Uh, he has taken. Uh, several uh, incarnation, uh, incarnations during their uh, the band's uh, lifetime, uh, but also accompanying him is always the nameless ghouls, who are in yeah. also in different shapes and forms, but they are uh, anonymous. Let's say, yeah. which is um, important. It's uh, a cool and interesting concept because he kind of lifted it from Slipknot, but then the music is almost as far from Slipknot as you can go. Uh, it's really on the way on the other side of metal, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so it's a smart way to kind of take that theatric and uh, stage show and, and bring it into a very, very classic heavy metal lineup. And he has said uh, numerous times that he models uh, the Ghost's career after other bands, <laughs> like first and foremost Iron Maiden and Metallica. Okay. Uh, like, he, you know, he's, he's going to release the fifth album. It's a Power Slave. It's a Black Album. Or, you know, he's, this is the third album now. It's Number of the Beast or Master Puppets. This is the album where everything has to go up a notch in quality. And, and the tour will be bigger and so on. Yeah. Uh, so he's really, which kind of, you know, I kind of like that. It's like he's emulating a mm. uh, classic uh, uh, metal band. And not only has he emulated it, he's also made it come true. They yeah. tour arenas. They fill arenas all through the States. And that's quite uh, remarkable, I think, for a band founded that late. Mm. Oh, for sure. Uh, I think also maybe if, if if it was just if it, they have kept the sound of the first album, maybe they wouldn't have filled the arenas in the same way. Yeah, they went uh, towards a totally more poppy uh, direction, more more into the the abba of metal there. Uh, called yeah. sometimes and he's not uh, he he likes that uh, moniker he doesn't mind I mean that's also a band he uh, he enjoys adores. 
completely adores. I think like most mm. uh, guys born in the 70s uh, playing music in Sweden, at one point uh, they have become huge ABBA fans. Uh, like Mike that we discussed in episode one, for example, he's also like a rabid ABBA fan. And yep. he's played on a Ghost album, uh, Mikael Åkerfeldt or okay. Mike Ackerfeldt from Opeth. Mm. He's been on, uh, like I think, the last one playing some acoustic. So that's just a side note. Mm-hmm. They have had like a few. Uh, they've had Dave Grohl on drums on on an EP and and so uh, on as well. I think he's played live with them too, wearing a nameless ghoul costume, which is kind. That's kind of cool actually, to have like the <laughs> a huge celebrity and you're not even gonna acknowledge that he's playing with you. I was just yeah, I was just gonna joke that if you are in a band long enough, uh, Dave Grohl is eventually gonna play with you. But uh, yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we're not gonna get deep on Dave Grohl here because I'm in a phase where I really. I'm, Somehow can't stand him. I saw a video of him just like I don't know. They were it, it was uh, a Ringo Starr tribute, and all these drummers come in and they're gonna play on his drum set or sort of his drum set. And then uh, Dave Grohl comes in, smiles, and I turn off the video. I don't know why. It's just like I mean, this will pass for sure. Yeah. Uh, normally, I think he's uh, he's an okay guy. You know, plays a whole show with a broken leg. That's cool. But yeah, like you say, right now maybe. Hmm, hmm. Mm, I don't Maybe know. he's kind of he's kind of a handful. He's like a rascal, you know. He's, mm. <laughs> you get yeah. a little bit tired of him and want him, his parents to turn up and pick him up <laughs> <laughs> somehow, right? Because I think we used to like not like we weren't hyper fans or anything, but I think we quite no. idolized him for a little bit there, like 10, mm. 15 years back or something. Maybe, yeah. Uh, yeah. But now, complete that's completely not the case. Yeah. So anyway, back to ghosts, right? Or do you have anything more on on Mr. Grawl? <laughs> I, I, w- I was going to say that um, while uh, Tobias Forge, when he is uh, Papa Emeritus or some of his other, uh, I don't know what the current uh, uh, incarnation of the band leader is called, maybe you know? Cardinal Copia. Okay. A guy now, and he's not part of the bloodline, so he's kind of like a, a ah, this, usurper. Uh, he's kind of a usurper of the, of the holy throne. It, it's a whole mythos, a whole legend. Okay. They make short films. Like uh, short uh, mini mini films, yeah, like, uh, a series, and uh, you know it's uh, apparently a, an idea. He he has two managers, like two American ladies that manage Ghost and do it very in a very competitive and modern manner. And they they asked him like, this band needs a story, even if the band is completely mm. made up. People want something to follow, like you know some kind of uh, quote unquote uh, career story or biopic <laughs> that kind of tags along with the band that's why they started to like build the mythos and and Tobias also enjoys all that surrounding stuff he's very mm-hmm. much even there he's holistic right he's not like okay i've done some good songs that's my part he he really like he's um, nurturing this whole image and concept uh, and show uh, i think it's cool. smart when uh, to take the um, to talk, to bring dave Grohl back maybe because he, he that's a really charismatic uh, frontman yeah, and very, very, very unmasked. He would not work as a frontman of Ghost. Ghost needs to be this whole concept. It needs to be every. No part w- can be more important than the other. So the myth is important. The songs are important. The uh, how they dress are important. What they say are important. Like everything, ha- like you say, with how how they how the managers treat it. You know, it has to be a whole holistic not only songwriting but also like way of looking at the whole project it's one it's a project and i think that's also it's important to understand when they had some problems in uh, 
with some of the nameless ghouls trying to uh, it, yeah sue Tobias if I'm not wrong. Yeah, it was basically the guys from uh, Magna Carta Cartel or something like that. Magna something, mm-hmm. MCC, and uh, he he was kind of he is a, like a, he is a one man band. Like he he runs the show for sure. It's his band, but he uh, I guess they you know when they started to really hit it off, they had some band spirit coming up, and he's you know started to invite them more i think more of them participated on the second or third album uh but don't hold me accountable on that info because it's no. not official but I, th- I think they they kind of came in a little bit more into the band and then at some point they were like he's taking all the money and yeah from that mm. point the whole suing thing started but uh if i may i'm just gonna head back to uh, opus eponymous again yeah uh, the album at hand uh, you said that it's uh, definitely not the sound that they could have become this big with and i think that's uh, true and that goes again with the idea of this is our first album this is our kill em all mm-hmm. or uh, our maiden self-titled you know it's, uh, it's, it's supposed to sound uh, low budget but up and coming kind yeah. of sound and uh, when uh, i was shown this album first time it was the first song uh, Conclavic Condio, and I, I really actually bought it. I thought it was a, a band from the 70s. Mm-hmm. And that never happens to me with because I'm fairly versed in production. I know my sounds, and I can hear roughly what age, what era it's brought yeah. into the world, if it's rock or metal music. But I was fooled. I thought it was a, a band <laughs> I missed, and that was his idea when he started Ghost, that it should be this hidden gem of a band that uh, you hadn't heard before. Uh, you found the LP somewhere. Mm. And I think that succeeds in that album. And it's smart to begin on a kind of more niched path, I think. Like a niched path in the beginning to to stir up the underground attention. And then you can sell out, so to speak. What's your comment on that? Like, what's your comment on their career trajectory and uh, evolution in sound and uh, catchiness? No, it's it's exactly when you said Kill Em All, I, I immediately understood like how I view them. I mean, I enjoyed the first album the most yeah. i think because it's the first i heard and it felt like you were part of something in a way and we went to see them at a small venue and it was great they did one abba cover and it's i think it was and it was yeah totally maybe fine. it was abba or, or it could have yeah it was abba Re- later they picked up that rookie erickson cover which is amazing for them it's, uh, the, i think they've got plays on that song uh, in in the studio version uh, have they done this one Uh, it would be a perfect song for them otherwise which one is it gimme 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 a man after midnight uh-huh. won't somebody help me take the shadows away yeah this fucking riff like yeah. <laughs> that could have yeah that could have been a feature for an episode it's abba right yeah it's totally abba yeah and they did I'm a Marionette, which is a more kind of a metal-ish song uh, mm. about uh, them being... This. It's their limelight. It's Abba's limelight, actually. I'm oh, a okay. Marionette. Uh, and then they did uh, If You Have Ghosts uh, by Rocky Erickson, and mm. that's a beautiful rendition of an already beautiful song and mm. extremely fitting. Like a nice. great choice of a cover. Nice. I think I've heard... Yeah, I've heard it, yeah. Okay, uh, well, I will see... When, when you named uh, Kill Em All, yeah, I mean... Uh, yeah the the to say sellout it's like perfect because it was their idea i mean all bands want to make it they want to make money from what yeah. they do which makes sense but there are like ways of doing it and this was really calculated and like you say Very. he emulates other bands successes which is fine 
Um, yeah. But I think that makes them a bit... Um, I'm not so excited by the new newer ones, actually. I think it oh, goes neither. too neither. far away from um, what was... Uh, <laughs> well, what made them exciting for me in the start, what made them interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's no, it's not really a, like, uh, it's it's not a long shot that I picked a song of the first album because that's mm. the one that really hit me. But I think, I think, I think it was a plan from the start, and not only a, a financial plan, but also, uh, yeah, just that he adores those uh, huge uh, metal hard rock acts from the '80s and mm. uh, and prior. And I think it was just he, he really wants to do it, you know, yeah, and he wants to try and do it that way. And uh, I mean, today is sellout really an issue? What would you say there? <laughs> Isn't that like kind of you know a lost term by now? It's not something you wave no. in people's faces anymore, is it? No, but the thing is, he was in uh, he was in other bands before, like Crash Diet and uh, Repugnant, right? Yeah, uh, bands that he he felt could have made it in a way in a niched way, maybe. Uh, but yeah. then he found himself being uh, quite a bit older, like haven't and he hadn't uh, accomplished what he wanted and uh, he yeah he put everything um on like he bet everything on red or black maybe it's even yeah. more <laughs> and then exactly. it, it succeeded but it also you also need to be um, or it felt like he, you don't need to be an entrepreneur i think that's it, it's boring if everyone if everyone had that mindset that uh, uh, that you had to think through everything and be uh, uh, be really smart about every single decision, but he did it that way, and it worked out for him. Which, yeah, that's fine. Um, but yeah, I'm not super excited. But if I, you know, no, I, yeah, yeah. I know, I agree, I agree. I mean, I follow them a little bit out of interest, and you know, just kind of to stay in the loop uh, with what's with what's going on in 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 metal and hard rock now. My you know, hands down favorite music genre after all. Uh, mm. So of course I follow them oh, a yeah. bit. And okay. there's an odd song here and there that I think uh, really works. And uh, I think they really kind of uh, pumped up the live act to a point where it's much better now. Because mm. uh, when we saw them back in um, in the very early gigs, like it, was, it wasn't even double digits yet. I think it was like the third gig. Yeah. Uh, or when we saw them, they were... Um, they were in heavy costumes. Like he had this huge uh, pope he could costume. He couldn't hardly move, move. That much, and uh, <laughs> his face—you couldn't see his face moving. No, and uh, and uh, a lot of it was also on backing tracks because they use a lot of choirs and and add-on extra instruments. It's very, mm. let's say, layered or uh, orchestrated productions. So uh, now they actually have an eight-man band uh, with mm. uh, goulets in as well, uh, or goulets, okay. I think it's called. <laughs> yeah. So they got. Uh, Two girls as well that uh, sing backup vocals, play keyboards and uh, percussion. Uh, and then also yeah. a third guitarist that plays mostly acoustic and uh, sings and plays percussion. So there are eight people now on stage and, and they can do it all live. Oh yeah, so I think that's, uh, that's they great. Are, they are a cool live show now. And they re he really puts a lot of money into his live shows. He says mm. that you know he, he's really kind of aiming on, on growth rather than uh, uh, the easy buck. But why does his mask look like shit? <laughs> he doesn't anymore i think now it's more like a prosthetic their masks look great i mean the, the nameless ghouls and ghoulettes but his always looked uh terrible yeah, I, don't know. I don't know why really now he's have a kind of funny he has a funny look now he looks kind of like a raccoon now uh, a raccoon version of of uh, of uh, the godfather yeah i mean uh, maybe i'll I just I'm very reactionary when it comes to ghosts. I like the first appearance, <laughs> the first time I heard them. After that, but but I must say I, I really appreciate uh, and what you say, and I, I appreciate the, the more since he uh, 
uh, it became common knowledge who he was, so you could have actual interviews with him and hear about how he thinks. That's really yeah. interesting. I mean, yeah, out of uh, just an... Yeah, a point of interest, you know, like just to talk about and like this is the perfect band. But I mean, sure, I wouldn't, I don't, I don't get excited about them <laughs> anymore. No, no, me, me neither, actually. But uh, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, uh, it's uh, one of those bands that you can sort of let them just fly, uh, fly out on their own. You don't have to follow for the whole ride, right? Uh, some, some, some guys were there for the first album. Some guys uh, come in now and buy the swimming trunks and whatever they sell. <laughs> <laughs> Shit tons of merch <laughs> and, uh, you know, swimming trunks, uh, stupid things like dildos. And uh, yeah, it's, it's terrible, actually. But you got to make money, right? And uh, <laughs> I have a ghost plectrum. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. I remember also about Crash Diet. Like a funny little anecdote from that is that they, they used to rehearse next to us in, in Canopy's old rehearsal space, my old metal band. Ah. And uh, we also had a few um, sessions there with uh, the Reverend John Loth, our, our mm, southern mm. rock uh, hard rock outfit and i remember this the drummer of crash diet was into death metal uh tobias was also i don't know if he was in the band at this time so he used no. to come into our rehearsal space like with a heavy stench of alcohol <laughs> around him <laughs> and and just headbang he was very nice he didn't disturb us really he just came in and paid his respect i remember we played a song uh, of ours that uh, riff goes like this <laughs> It's a good riff. It's a death metal part, like. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> and you can imagine this uh, kind of hulking dude coming in with uh, big, uh, curly, blonde hair and just stench of beer and headbanging. And uh, I remember uh, feeling slightly proud <laughs> at that moment. My favorite, uh, uh, my favorite gig of yours was when we... Um, we saw Canopy at uh, on Horsgatan H62, a small club. And then uh, Per Sinding Larsen and Jan Gradvall, two music journalists, came uh, to see the band before you. But they also brought uh, Leif Pagrotsky, who was then the culture minister of Sweden. Uh, yeah. So he was there, but he had to leave because his son got uh, didn't didn't get to go in because he was too young. Uh, uh-huh. So at least uh, Jan Gradval and Pershing Ding saw you, which is yeah. great. Uh, <laughs> Leif Pagotsky, he had this style when he was a culture minister that he would go to gigs, he would kind of crowd surf. He like yeah, you know, be populistic, but in a very nice, funny way. I mean, a lot of other politicians maybe found him inappropriate. Uh, I thought it was pretty cool, and now he rocks a huge beard. So, yeah, all props to him. Yeah, he's, he's cool. Cool guy, and he was, uh, there was just like a slight controversy because he went with his son to see uh, Dissection, like yeah. a legendary Swedish uh, slash death metal band that had uh, like a controversy involving murder in ah, yeah. Gothenburg. And, uh, that's and, quite and, controversial. Course, the press was asking him, do you know that this guy is a murderer and a satanist? And his <laughs> answer was like, I don't know, but the, the vibe there was great. And they played awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and he was using it very, and he had bought two sweatbands with the uh, wrist sweatbands with the uh, pentagrams on. <laughs> oh, perfect. perfect. And I have to play a riff from, from this section just because of that. It's uh, one of my favorite riffs. It goes mm. like this from uh, Knight's Blood. Oh, my God. 
minister of uh, culture uh, headbanging uh, with uh, satanic sweatbands to that riff. <laughs> very nice, very nice. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, it was super, super nice to talk about Ghost. Uh, do you have anything to add? Uh, yeah, Ritual. There's uh, quite funny lyrics actually. Like they have this whole satanic spoof going on all over that album, and uh, in Ritual they have what we would call in Swedish like a panic rhyme. Uh, I don't know if there's an English term for that. No, dream in Swedish. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh, it's when you don't really know how to get the flow in uh, in the rhyming. You kind of make it make it up. I mean, in the context of the song, it kind of works almost. It almost falls flat, but it's just like, yeah, we're we're, we're in the. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Uh, and uh, emergency yeah, rhyme. I mean, it's when you leave uh, leaving leaving the first chorus, heading into the second verse. Uh, the end of the chorus is uh, sacrifice human sacrifices on the altar bed, but uh, he he turns bed into the beginning of the first word of the verse coming after. So I guess technically it's not a panic rhyme, but it's funny. So he goes, Sac- uh, human sacrifices on the altar bed, duins and nomads. <laughs> I mean, it, it, what it actually reminds me of is MF Doom. He does that yeah. a lot. He is really plays around with the words, and I think that's why it works. Uh, you know, MF Doom, yeah. the, the yeah, rapper. Uh, they have a great song for it works for guitar freaks too. The uh, rap snitches has a cute little guitar line going <laughs> yeah. through it. Uh, a great song. I guess uh, there will be hip hop. Uh, uh, ooh. Scary territories, but it could have actually been for riffs. I was, actually thought of this. Uh, I thought of this song. Yeah. I thought of this song. Yeah, but that, that's interesting. Then you have to. Then you can even deep dive further because you get into like, oh, where does the riff come from? Like, what's the origin of the sampling uh, sample? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I mean, that, I think there is a term for uh, when you when you go from one word. Uh, you know, you kind of, you kind of have. It, it's a, like a, when it has a floating end and beginning. You don't really know where the beginning of the word is, or where the end and, uh, of the word is, and the beginning of the next yeah. one. And I think that's kind of playful. Although I don't, but but this is like kind of advanced when it comes to hip rap and. Uh, and I think you really have to be a really good lyricist to know that it's actually it's wrong to do this. But because you have this, the the extensive knowledge of rhyming, it you can you can get away with it. Tobias Forke almost doesn't get away with it. It's like too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm guessing that he he must have been laughing in the studio. He must have been cracking up like, <laughs> yeah, what a. What can, can you re- can you say the whole? Can you sing the whole? Uh, uh, he line sings or he say sings it? You, <laughs> it's like in the chapel of ritual. Yeah. Uh, Smells of dead human sacrifices on the altar. Bedouins and nomads. <laughs> <laughs> ah, it's great. Ritual is a great song. It's been in their set list pretty much since then. Yeah. It's the song they play most from, from that album. <laughs> it's so great that I even uh, learned to play it, <laughs> to bring it to the show. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I, w- I wasn't ready to bring it. But I also felt like I, Jonathan will bring it at some point. So it doesn't matter. It's just fun yeah. to talk about. <laughs> sure. Yeah, and the, the last thing I could add with Ghost that I like is that they're good thieves too. They're good at stealing stuff. Uh, mm. in a very oh, that's musical way uh, yeah um, I think one of my favorite songs of theirs is uh, Satan Prayer from this same 2011 oh, yeah. uh, debut album and mm. uh, the chorus is nicked from uh, cartoon uh, Asterix 
Asterix and Obelix. Uh, it's that song. How does it go? I think it, there's it's one song like, that's like extra da, da, good da, da, that da, everyone talks about. And uh, it's from Asterix. I saw it in, uh, because it's a cartoon for kids, I saw it in a oh. Swedish dub. So for us, it would be like, can we uh, edit uh, we can maybe with the power of uh, hindsight we can edit that in uh, into the episode and make a small comparison uh, to end this very nice part of uh, this show thank you very much for bringing that riff har en viss elegans Thank you very much for bringing that riff. Thank you, and uh, I'm kind of excited to see what's uh, where this is going to turn. Like from this yeah. uh, rainy, rainy ritual day, where are we going to head now? Is it raining at uh, in Stockholm also? No, only in the riff. <laughs> okay, here, here it's, it's raining. It's, 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 it's really gloomy. it's gloomy today. It's raining in in Amsterdam. Yeah, yeah, like like crazy. I think uh, that's why I also like ooh, immediately got pumped about uh, about your riff. Uh, that about that uh, I will tune my guitar but you don't have to listen to that so his own private jet plane <laughs> and he gets money for nothing yeah for free yeah it's money uh, for nothing uh, uh, dire straits from uh, brothers in arms it is it is money for nothing and uh yeah uh, why not jump into that immediately <laughs> uh the lyrics i mean the have to mention them or we will get there it's uh yeah it's a it's a controversial lyric uh for sure but um yeah maybe start with the riff what what did you feel when you heard the riff what did you well, associate uh, with this this riff has uh, like a bit of a history for me i love uh, mark knopfler i mean i guess many guitarists do at one point but he, he's just so good and he has such a um, id identity in his playing style so mm. Uh, I get this kind of uh, riff bliss <laughs> quite immediately when when he's playing, and 
And this riff, uh, uh, our mutual friend, friend uh, Martin Schönes, he had that uh, like back mm. in the day before smartphones, you could have like a couple <laughs> of MP3s on your old Nokia or whatnot. Yeah. And he had only one MP3 on it, and it was uh, money for nothing. Oh yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah it was wow. like a d- drunken nights out in Stockholm waiting for a night bus or something. Sometimes we would blast it from the tiny speaker in that Nokia mm. phone, and uh, the long ass intro before <laughs> that was <laughs> common in the eighties. It's almost a minute of like just ambience before the riff hits and. And he would always say, like, this riff is written by a guy with an enormous dick. <laughs> because it has that kind of uh, very manly <laughs> vibe, I guess. To yeah. it. It's very masculine in a way. But of course it is with uh, uh, a little bit of a perspective on it, if you mm-hmm. really read into it. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think there's a lot going on in the riff. Uh, and uh, yeah, <laughs> remembering Martin, I, I actually thought about him. Uh, when picking this riff, because he also put it on uh, on a tape that we used to bring to Vitabergs uh, Piken in Stockholm, where we drank beer that someone had smuggled out for us, and uh, we, go. we listened to this riff, and we also li- listened to Power Trip by uh, Monster Magnet, which has the fantastic mm. lyric, uh, "I'm never gonna work another day in my life. The gods told oh, me yeah. to relax. I'm gonna get fixed up all right." That's and, an anthem for drinking, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, don't think about tomorrow for sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, the, it's. Uh, I think the first time I heard this song, it must have been through the video. Actually, um, the yeah, music video is also very special. Uh, it's yeah. it's two things. It's the first uh, first video uh, ever shown on MTV in the UK, and it's the first wholly completely computer animated video. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which tells the story of. Uh, of the the lyrics, which is uh, uh, these two um, workers that have to uh, they work in an appliance store or like a, and they have to uh, move uh, move things. They have to move microwave ovens, uh, install uh, color TVs, mean uh, yeah, the custom delivery uh, kitchens and. Uh, and yeah, the, the story goes that Mark Knopfler was in an in a, an appliance store in the, in London, I think, and he was um, he was overhearing this guy working there, a guy with uh, a trucker cap, uh, a beard, a flannel shirt, a checkered flannel shirt, and who uh, was staring at the the video screen. You imagine this. Um, when you go into an, uh, a video store in the 80s and there's just like a whole wall of uh, very small CRT TVs that bring together become a big screen. And he's looking yeah. at these uh, rock videos. Um, supposedly, or uh, Mötley Crüe and Nicky Six likes to think that it was uh, uh, a Mötley Crüe song that they were uh, he was looking at while uh, talking about them. And he's, he, Mark Knopfler was so like, entranced by what he was saying so he uh, he got a pen and paper and started transcribing uh what this guy was saying about the band playing on the on the screens oh, yeah. and that is like the lyrics verbatim uh of the song so he didn't change anything it's an amazing concept yeah so that's why you also got the infamous uh, second verse uh the this uh, yeah i mean it's <laughs> this little faggot uh with the earring and the makeup uh yeah it's his own hair uh this little faggot got his own jet airplane uh this little faggot is a millionaire um 
No, I I I, I feel uh, I don't feel good uh, reciting it. Actually, it feels really strange. Um, yeah, but you have to think about that. The fagot is pretty much uh, the author. It's written from. Yeah, no, no, from it's, him. it's it's uh, totally the how so you. Of course, would, of course, it's not you the derogative uh, towards uh, homo homosexuals or anything uh, to that matter. It's. Uh, yeah, the, is, the, is, he is the fagot. He is the rock star fagot that gets. Uh, Money for nothing, yeah. according to these hard-working uh, men. Mm. Uh, it's all well and good, but you have to also understand that it's uh, his fans probably don't uh, don't, don't all make this uh, connection or understand it like that. So that has been a huge controversy. And in uh, yeah. uh, as late as 2011, the uh, the Canadian um, uh, let's say what uh, yeah the radio board of the radio or something like this tried to uh, uh, censor the song. And that became quite mm -hmm. a hullabaloo. Afterwards, uh, Mark Knopfler himself uh, is a bit, uh, yeah, he, he's not sure that he did the right thing or that you actually uh, can write in first person like he did. I'm not, I'm not agreeing with him there. I mean, I, f I think for sure you should write in first person to if you can. I mean, that's what a, a writer does. I think if it, this was a book, it wouldn't have become the. Uh, the same controversy, but in fact, it's on this song is on one of the biggest LPs of all time. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I uh, I'm still not, I'm still on the fence uh, about the whole thing, and I'm, I'm, I think there's a reason why, uh, like James Hetfield, don't write lyrics like this. You know, he. Yeah, sure. It's it's a bit. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. It's uh, it's uh, it's on the edge. It's. Uh, but it's not uh yeah i don't know yeah when uh, when i was a kid i i was allergic to non cartoon television mm. <laughs> i would say like it's this is non cartoon in swedish oteknat yeah. and i didn't want to see anything that was non cartoon like imported uh, kids shows with uh, with uh, actors and stuff i wanted only uh, drawn tv yeah. and so i i was very quickly gravitating towards this song because uh, I love the video, like plenty of colors, polygons, like early polygons style animation, and I was so <laughs> into it. And and uh, my father actually is a fan of of Die Straits, uh, which I guess many fathers are. <laughs> it's like mm -hmm. a boomer band looks. Totally. And uh, he uh, he uh, quickly picked up on the lyrics and uh, the actual meaning of them, and he thought it was like an interesting portrait. It's a portrait of a person, right? And I kind totally, of yeah. I think about the Beatles when, like, you know, a, a song like uh, Eleanor Rigby or something that. You know, it's just a portrait of a character mm. uh, rather than a message, you know. But uh, mm. as you say, maybe the uh, uh, quite large number of their fans uh, maybe would not pick that up. No, it, it's, uh, it's we, we talked in a, a past episode about Leonard Skinner, uh, that they might not stand for the same uh, idea that their fans stand for, like in a big part of their fans. But I mean, are you, it's an interesting question because are you, uh, as the author, are you, uh, are you always um, uh, responsible for uh, what the listener uh, takes with him? And, and, and maybe talking as an, as an artist uh, uh, of making visual arts, um, I think, I, I want to think that what I make has, uh, gets its own life after I made it. I mean that uh, yeah. if it was just my objective truth, you know, or my uh, my subjective truth that was the the objective truth, then the work would die. And I think that's what's interesting uh, is that it, it, Mark Knopfler can have the explanation that he uh, that he wrote it out of uh, first person, and that's how we should see it. But I don't think 
you can steer uh, your audience. You can tell them how they should see it. So you take, uh, it, whether it's like a confirmation bias or something, you, you will take what you want from the lyrics. So, yeah. I think that, that's uh, something. Yeah, it's an interesting take with, the, with lyrics and uh, like the accountability within uh, what lyrics you, you project. And in rock, it's, uh, rock is quite uh, anthemic. You know, it's kind of like uh, we're all joining together in this. And then, uh, of course, it could mm. be strange too. It's kind of... Uh, uh, maybe that message could be, uh, become some kind of fighting message, which it mm. isn't, right? I think, uh, it, but uh, doing some research or like being curious, I I looked up. Uh, I mean, I, I kind of looked up. Okay, is there actually like people uh, writing about this now? And I found like maybe one or two articles. So maybe uh, actually, it is common knowledge that it's written in first person, and that's how it should be seen. And on if you go to Spotify, it's not even labeled um, explicit. Um, mm-hmm. While the contemporaries uh, like uh, Ozzy Osbourne or uh, Twisted Sister were in court cases about their lyrics, you know, that are not, uh, well, not that I can remember homophobic or like even touching that subject, but are more about Satanism. And so it's really like the the time when you made it. And I don't think that uh, Mark Knopfler thought that he would get into any any kind of problem uh, singing this. No, so and it's he, interesting for today because uh, Ghost is quite the reverse. They uh, they really tried to get a controversy around them with the mm. whole satanic thing. Uh, yeah, also part of his master plan, right? He wanted to do the eighties thing, and he yeah. wanted to have the parental advisory uh, bust up again. And he did succeed in provoking some pastors and stuff in <laughs> over yeah, in the they're, states. They're, they're like easy vastly to provoke, boosted, no. <laughs> vastly boosted their their uh, marketing. Oh, really? In, it in worked the, in for the them. states. Yeah, it really okay. worked. Like uh, right. it, 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 the controversy was big enough to to boost okay. Ghost, okay. and uh, so that's kind of the opposite, right? Um, yeah. To to this, I would say, he's kind of luring luring uh, them. I'm gonna play the riff again, so we don't get too far away. Um, the riff, the you, uh, it's uh, yeah. Mark Knopfler is a finger picking master, so he he actually picks this uh, uh, riff. Yeah. Uh, which is important. I mean, that's how I learned to play it, and it makes it difficult. I think it's easier to play it with a, a pick, yeah, um, a plectrum, a pick, uh, but yeah. to pick it with your fingers, then you get the sound that you want. Um, and I, I did, yeah. I did look up, you know, like rather how to play it, and I, I think I played uh, maybe seventy-five percent accurate. I would say, you know, maybe I'll, I'll continue practicing it. I think it's a rather fun song to play. Let's hear it. Yeah, so one round there. Uh, one of my more successful tries. Because it's still quite hard. There are some like um, uh, harmonic uh, and uh, and harmonic you have to um, have to get at the at the um, in the middle there. That's uh, that's rather hard to just like throw in there, but it's really important to do. Um, 
Yeah, it's like it's like this staple after ski song, and if, if you For look sure. at compilations of how they play it, it's it ranges from someone who really like tries and uh, maybe succeeds to like people who just skip it. The worst after ski band, <laughs> and I mean this was years ago when I still could afford to go <laughs> to to the north of Sweden to <laughs> ski, uh, i.e., I was with my parents. Uh, <laughs> Then I heard uh, yeah. Sweet Child of Mine, but they totally skipped the intro riff. I mean, <laughs> what the <Ha>. fuck? <laughs> that riff is very easy to play uh, pitchy, however. Yeah. So some, yeah. maybe they did right there. Maybe. Because like uh, amateur versions of Sweet Child of Mine lead riff it sounds terrible. It's really hard to make it uh, pitch yeah. nicely on an electric guitar. Okay, but Money for Nothing, it's a blues riff. It's a blues riff, I would say. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, there is, I, I actually prepared uh, talking more about how they recorded it, but I, I'd like to hear your uh, if you have some uh, yeah thoughts. Yeah, just uh, I like the quarters. They are like a staple in in these classic uh, early um, hard rock uh, guitar hero riff type. Like uh, mm. Richard Blackmore does like uh, one of my favorite riffs by him. <laughs> Off of burn, all quarters, and then obviously the riff, the riff of riffs, <laughs> is also there with the, the perfect fourths, and they give this kind of is a bit robotic in my in my ear. It sounds a bit <laughs> yeah. like a robot type riff, which yeah. to me fit very well with these polygon uh, heavy workers in the video, mm. uh, that robotish sound. Yeah, no, no, for sure. Uh, I think. Um, it's also kind of a standout riff on the record itself. Uh, the record is kind of subdued, yeah. uh, dramatic for sure. But th this song is more fun, I would say. It's a more uh, upbeat uh, feeling. It, it includes. There's so many layers to it. You have the 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 intro, the long intro. That is. There's also in the radio edits that is way shorter. But then you have a uh, uh, like. I mean, maybe the the most like famous uh, backup singer you could ask for at that moment in time. You have Sting uh, singing the fantastic uh, I want my MTV line, ah. which uh, he got... Uh, they, uh, the police had actually been in a commercial saying this thing, in like a commercial for MTV that was coming. And Mark Knopfler had seen that and he was like, oh, I want that in my song. And uh, he asked Sting to come over and he had already, they had released, um, I don't know, I remember which, uh, I think, it, is it the Regatta, the Blank, is that the name of the album? With At least with Don't Stand So Close To Me. Don't stand, don't stand so, don't stand so close to me. And that that melody, uh, he, he uh, Mark Knopfler made into I, I Want My MTV. So when, uh, Sting came there to lay down this line uh, and also say, sings back up on the on the chorus. Uh, everything was done. So he came in and he said like, what's going on here? What, what is this? And uh, Mark Knopfler said, what do you mean? Well, there's no fighting. <laughs> there's no fighting going on. <laughs> everything is prepared. He was like shocked. Um, <laughs> you know, because he, he's, he's like a perfectionist and then it was just like perfect already. It was just like a <laughs> perfectly crafted 
part for him. And I, I think that's... Um, it's also kind of telling of uh, how um, Mark Knopfler, I think, uh, approaches uh, recording, but also his music... Uh, uh, his music that it, that it is, is really precise, like it, yeah. that that this riff is played so precise. It's not only with the harmonics. There is also like this mm, ghost notes and kind of you know uh, occasional, just like dead notes or how do you say like palm mutes that are part of the riff that I kind of kind of jump over. So that's the additional twenty five percent. But uh, but to really get the feel for it, that that's how. He he plays it and he plays it still like this. Um, so like what happened when when they recorded this guitar they had prepared the day before the the recording the recording would take place and the, but the mics weren't completely set up uh, in front of the amplifier so they were like one was pointing uh, straight down one was kind of at an angle and so they weren't set up let's say but uh, Mark Knopfler started playing and the engineer heard that it sounded really out there it's like this hollow sound um, that according to the liner notes are without any effects which doesn't really make sense but uh, that it's just like how the how the room worked and how the microphone is set up it just brought this character characteristic sound to the guitar um yeah, yeah. Cool sound and more more guitarists should play with their fingers the only one i can think of off the top of my head is uh, from a norwegian uh, like black and roll band uh, kveler talk the principal songwriter and third guitarist they have three he plays uh, only with his fingers mm. and a lot of fast riffs and stuff and uh, you know you can you can get a different attack to the guitar you can attack more strings simultaneously have mm. a bass line with your thumb and uh, also, you get a little bit of a duller sound, which can you, you can tweak your distortion and your EQ in yeah. another fashion because you have a, a duller attack from your fingers instead of a plastic pick. And I think yeah. it sounds great. It also reminds me a bit of uh, Billy Gibbons, uh, ZZ Top, mm. um, that that kind of playing style. And I, I've had a major binge now lately on on ZZ Top. <laughs> <Okay. good band. laughs> what a great band! I mean, they might definitely. I mean, there you have uh, the this. Uh... <laughs> That kind of thing, you know, like traditional. I don't actually know any riffs, but <laughs> they have that style. Yeah, no, but he's, he's a thing. Does he pick his strings? Uh, Billy, Billy Gibbons? Gibbons? I think he mixes for sure. He feels like a very earthly okay. guitarist, if you catch my drift. Like he's, uh, he's, he's bare bones type guy. You, yeah. know, you can really hear the dirt under his nails when you listen to the, to the, to the recordings. It's very... <laughs> And they are they also ooze of professionality, uh, just as Mark Knopfler and the Dire Straits. Like they have this kind of, you know, you, they really know what they're doing. Mm. And uh, as a listener, it's very comforting for me. I like to listen to to these guys that you can see that uh, they know what they're up to. Yeah, but I think he has like this um, ear for mood. Also, he made a lot of uh, film scores. Uh, yeah, music that makes for sense. movies, and. Uh, at the time, yeah, he made the soundtrack for a local hero, and it was. I have a favorite, and now I, I, um, I completely forgot it. Uh, so we just skipped that bit. Uh, it doesn't yeah. matter. You can check it out. You should uh, just go to Spotify or your favorite uh, vendor of MP3s and check out Mark Knopfler. Uh, yeah, but I wanted to say that about the pick and the, the way why he plays with his uh, fingers. I think it has to do with like what you how you started playing. Um, you remember a couple of weeks ago we spoke about um, 
desert rocker Mdo Mokhtar who like hadn't seen a pick you know he built sure. his own guitar and maybe you remember the uh, Josh Holm also uh, didn't know what a pick was before years after he started playing like yeah. it's like what what's that you can use those are those yeah, what are those? what what does it do <laughs> you know I, I i i wanted to play another uh riff of his that i just it's just beautiful it's from from the first album of uh dire straits i think you know which one mm -hmm. Uh, Sultans of Swing, uh, such a great song of their first album. Uh, really beautiful lyrics also. It's a great lyricists. Uh, uh, this album, I, I, uh, Brothers in Arms actually got panned by the critics uh, when it first came out for being shallow. <laughs> huh, really? And uh, yeah, the lyri lyrics being uninteresting uh, as opposed to the, uh, the old ones. I think, I think it's just like how music critics work. And maybe we. it even has to do you know, with how they view album cycles you know like we talked about Tobias Forge or you talked about it that he uh, emulates like how which album is coming next I think similarly some music critics po popular ones you know they also kind of have a f they know what they want they know what they want to hear next or like they know yeah. when they want to say a band is good and they want to they know when it's time to say they suck you know when they are has-beens and yeah, uh, they have their own trajectory of the band, you could say. Like, yeah, yeah, their yeah. Own view of the story of the band. And uh, I was just going to add that uh, Sultans of Swing is clearly the number one uh, after ski song, isn't it? it? That's the after ski song of after ski songs. Uh, yeah, I mean, are they, do they only make after ski songs? And uh, I think it took me, it took me a, good, a good few years to, to really enjoy it as much as I do now. Uh, because uh, it's, uh, at first it was just this song, you know, this... Uh, song that everyone yeah. plays and it's just an old man's song but then you know the, the lyrics in that one are great it's kind of their sergeant pepper isn't it they're like they kind of have this alternative band it's dire straits but it's the sultans of swing and he's saying like we're yeah. a creole band something like that i remember from from this and uh, so they and they also have that new orleans kind of root in in their music yeah, exactly. They're, they're from Scotland, though. But yeah, the, the I mean, the mu the kind of music they play, it really has uh, roots elsewhere over the Atlantic. Uh, he and his brother David uh, Knopfler was who was also in Dire Straits uh, before, not on this album, but earlier. Uh, they started it uh, when they they started the band when they moved to uh, uh, London. But Mark Knopfler had been in several other bands. He uh, also had like a, a small duo when he was 16 with a girl and they sang uh, cute songs. I'd love to hear that. I mean, he's not like a cute guy or anything, but I mean, you can imagine that that was kind of cute. And actually, we have to talk a bit about his yeah. looks. Is he, is, is he a rock star? Is he a, <laughs> does he have a rock star look? Or is he like on the Pete Townshend uh, spectrum? Yeah, he looks like a, a guitar teacher. I think he looks like a guitar teacher. Like, you know, the guitar professor yeah. or something. That's the vibe I've been getting from him, rather than Rockstar. Mm. I think he kind of battled that also. Uh, like, also what people, um, what they expect from Rockstars in the 80s. I think it's quite different from what the Rockstar was in the was in the 70s. Uh, although, like... Maybe Mark Knopfler would have liked to dress up with a, as a death pope, like Tobias Forge. 
I think of that now. Maybe. You know, because he didn't look like a rock star and that's that's kind of a solution no. for that to to play dress up instead. Yeah. But it, it does I mean but he he, he did have, you know, like uh, he was collaborating also with Eric Clapton a lot who collaborates with everyone because he has no uh, he has no inner charisma. <laughs> he has no, yeah, he has no personality. He was the most personality-less guitar player ever, but also one of the greatest. But uh, he needs exactly. someone to uh, collaborate with, which is great. I mean, I'm yeah, I feel the same um, sometimes. Um, but uh, yeah, what else can you say about Mark Knopfler about this song? Uh, we really like dove into the heavy subject. I think we did rather good there. Uh, yeah. keeping it open but, but still you know like I think it's uh, opinions will differ and I think as time goes on you know like it will become maybe in 10 years it will be completely censored or maybe it will be hailed as the work that kind of brought uh, an attention to the world I don't know it's it's really hard yeah. to say um, I think if you if you're on the fence about it listen to The Man's Too Strong on the same album mm. it's my favorite song of the album the, my favorite song of theirs I think it's beautiful lyrics in that mm. one. And you can really tell that he's a craftsman when it comes to lyrics, that this is not random. No. Uh, oh, this I, is not random uh, effect. Yeah. He's not searching for like cheap effects. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's storytelling on, on a high but, level. And, but uh, I, I, mu I uh, must say that I, I know of people, I'm not going to name any names, that love this song and they don't even, they don't even register uh, the second verse. What is song? Or like that is a, maybe they don't even hear it or... They don't recognize that it might be problematic. I don't know. I maybe I ask them now if they're listening. What do you think? What do you think about this? Uh, would love to hear back from you guys. You can mail us at gainitforifs at gmail .com. Um, Exactly. But yeah, I, th I think that that sting is on this song. It's really cool, uh, it, and it's really like this. It, they really went for a stadium uh, song. Uh, especially being so like on it's just like a perfect uh storm of the video the the notion that mtv was coming just around the corner it was the first video being shown uh yeah how could it not be uh, propel him into superstardom like like that yeah for sure and they they definitely succeeded if they went mm. for an arena rocker they that that was a, a complete success because mm. this one is uh, without a doubt uh, a big rocker yeah, uh, I understood uh, that he kind of later got very tired of it. They they just made they made one more Dire Straits album, I think, and he was already tired of the whole thing. So now he's a solo artist, and uh, there's a very nice video of him uh, from <laughs> from what's called it's called Mark Knopfler Russia. It was on my you know to watch uh, you know on YouTube uh, right in the top hand corner there's a video that always is there and and you don't look at it because you think what, what is this mess. And uh, and it <laughs> it was there Mark Knopfler Russia Mark Knopfler on guitars and then a build uh, an image of Mark Knopfler and I was like what is this? And then like 5 years later a little bit before I I actually picked this riff I, I I decided to watch it, and it is like a, fa a Russian fan site uh, or fan YouTube channel for Mark Knopfler. And the first thing that it stands is that, yeah, sorry guys, this is the last video I will ever post. Uh, Mark Knopfler's management has told me that I have to cease and desist, so I don't know how long this 
<laughs> this, this video will be up. But good news is that me and my brother have decided to start a, another uh, uh, channel which is devoted more to our music. So maybe you can go there. And this video has like, you know, 20 million <laughs> views. Like <it's> insane <laughs> for a small private it's more than yeah. any mark Knopfler video and <laughs> then you go to their privates and it says like yeah not that many not that many but so it, it, but the video is great he, he's sitting talking about guitars being very like friendly and yeah you think he's like this sour uh, kind of uh, sour grumpy dude but it's not it's really pleasant but then he picks up his uh i think it's his um acoustic guitar uh, first he talks about the difference between a gibson les paul and a fender stratocaster which is actually interesting because yeah it's, it's the could... dynamic of gain it for riffs actually yeah uh, we're not on uh, we're not on the american originals uh, i'm gonna be transparent about that because mm. uh, why spend all that cash but we have the classic uh, guitar duo setup where i play mainly strats uh, with single coil yeah. and you play mainly Les Paul with uh, humbuckers. Yeah, and I'm quite happy about that. I you should know, say, I should say that many think that uh, uh, this song is uh, written on a Stratocaster, but it's written on a Les Paul. It's played yeah, on a Les yeah. Paul, but live he plays on a Strat. I think. Yeah, it's true. Uh, I often. recently discovered that that is played on a yeah. Les Paul. Uh, this particular song. Yeah. Uh, okay. But in in and I'm gonna play the riff. One more time, but there was one more thing in this Mark Knopfler, Russia, Mark Knopfler on guitars video. <laughs> sure, it's like going to be taken, it's gonna be taken down soon. So, baby, you have to run. You have to, after this episode, you have to see it. He picks up his acoustic guitar and he says, like, yeah, the the Les Paul is great and all. The, the Fender is great, but uh, this is my one and true love. And then he raises it up and he kisses the neck very tenderly. <laughs> You should, that's not allowed to do but I'm gonna give him a pass <laughs> it's that's so, sleazy it's, man that's yeah. sleazy oh. I hate when, when guys call call their instruments she also I hate that <laughs> like their instruments and their guns like uh, isn't she lovely isn't yeah, she a lovely they, they, little uh, piece of, uh, of instrument <laughs> lovely little uh, I hate that shit <laughs> it's fucking sleazy that's yeah. what it is Okay, but okay. Mark Knopfler is gonna get the pass. All right. Yeah. Okay. One more time. Money for nothing. All right. Yeah. Feels great playing it. I'm gonna. I, I actually gonna. Uh, learn some more Mark Knopfler songs. I think that's a, a good way to go, especially his uh, acoustic ones. I think I might learn a thing or two. Yeah, good idea. I support that. Yeah. Uh, hey, oh, this is a long episode. I uh, didn't expect yeah. that at all, but it was really fun to talk about Ghost and Mark Knopfler. I'm really uh, looking forward to making the mashup picture. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, the title has already <laughs> appeared to me, Ritual for Nothing. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah, we make up these. We make up these. Obviously, we make make them up after because we don't know what the riff combination is going to be. And uh, so, sometimes it will be in two different languages. Then it's going to be a bit stiff. But uh, most of the time, <laughs> I think we can come up with a fun title. Now we can use a we. Uh, what's it called Ouija board? Uh, Ouija board. It's called that. Uh, it's a good. It's really fun uh, to do. Uh, it was a pleasure to do this uh, podcast with you. Yeah. Always a pleasure. Every week, uh, Wednesday. I hope you. Keep on listening, and uh, yeah, that's it for Ulla signing out. 
that's it for today. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, we will be back next Wednesday. More riffs, more talk, more uh, anything. Gain it for riffs. You know by now, right? You've been following us for a bit. And if you want to support us, you can give us a good review on uh, Apple Podcast, iTunes. And also just tell your friends. Tell anyone that might be interested in this. Uh, there's a few people out there, I think, that may want to hear us. So help us spread the word. And uh, that's it. Cheers. Over and out. <laughs>